Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. First of all, I don't know how you feel about Nashville. The, the operator. It's not a great place to have the winter. I mean, it's, you might as well have it at home because it's so huge. And it's not like you're running from hotel room to hotel room. Um, but what is it like for you at the winter meetings? And I know that what happens typically is you get a suite and you have a, your your people there and you're in the suite and, and there's snacks all over the place and starts to smell and everything else But because you're in there all the time. But and maybe you send people down to the lobby to get info. But just take me through from your perspective what it's like to be in the winter meetings as a chief decision maker. Well, it's just changed through the years for sure. I mean, when when I first started doing it, it was it was more inclusive. There was less people around. You know, all the minor league people were there, which I which I always thought was awesome. I loved celebrating baseball, you know, with with everybody in the game. And then it it started to change. More people involved. Um more expectations um, and it was just very difficult to get a lot of things done. And I felt that there was, there, there tended to be, you know, some confusion at the winter meetings because there was a lot of different ideas, a lot of pressure on front offices to, to make a deal. And, and so with that, I think a lot of teams would get involved in areas or with players that maybe they really weren't that interested in, but, it kind of they 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 kind of put their foot in a little bit and it kind of stalled the process and so um you know i think that you know we're we're and a lot of the deals are made once you leave the general the general uh, the, the winter meetings rather and you're laying a lot of groundwork at the winter meetings that are preparing you for future deals and it may not happen you know before christmas or even before spring training maybe it happens in spring training but some of those conversations that you're having you know, lead up to, you know, future deals and you're becoming comfortable, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the, 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 the other front office and, and with the transparency and the discussions you have. But the other thing is it's a great team building opportunity for you and your team, your staff, your leadership team, your scouts, your front office. You get a chance 
hopefully to have great baseball discussions with one another and and talk about maybe people that have helped shape you and in, in your baseball life that brings perspective that motivates you to make future decisions and to uh, to carry on legacies and and so you, you you get a chance to have much deeper discussions I found at the winter meetings I I always enjoyed it truthfully this year I'll be going as you know as a as an advisor to CY and again I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing people and um, and to you know enjoying the relationships that we've developed in this game because at the end of the day that's what it's all about the people are so much more important than outcomes Robert Rob I mean they're just so important so much more important. I mean, we get caught up in all the outcomes and win or lose and produce or go home type of attitude, but it's the relationships and the people that we get to do this with that make it special. The, the thing I've learned in 30 years of professional baseball and then five years as a college coach before that, and as I reflect back, the things that I've learned is, yes, baseball is the attraction for all of us. We love the game. There's something special about that seed that was planted you know, in our heart many, many years ago as a little boy, and we've been able to do this our entire lives. And that's special. That's the attraction. But what sustains us in the game is the people. It's the relationships that we have. That's what sustains us in the game. Because you know and I know, it doesn't matter what your role is in the game, the game will beat you up every single day. I mean, you're not putting your head on a pillow at night on most days saying, oh, my gosh, everything just worked perfectly in this, in this baseball world today. Most of the time, you're you're wondering what to do when you go to bed, and you're wondering what to do when you wake up, and it's the relationships and the camaraderie that you have with everybody that gets you through those times, and it allows you to have those breakthroughs and and come to a decision and 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 move forward with trying to make your team better. So, I mean, that's 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 how we've we've always tried to keep it in perspective. No, you know, it's it's funny. Yeah, thinking about the winter meetings, there is a sense of community. I mean, we forget about that, right? And sometimes maybe the GMs are the last people who are able to 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 enjoy that because you're holed up a little bit more than the GM meetings or other places. But you mill around the lobby, you see people you don't see all year, and maybe like that's it. Like you're going to see them. You might talk on the phone with them, but this is the face to face you have with them, and yeah. it's that's a community, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, no doubt. so <clears throat> why did when you're talking about? I remember at the winter meetings. There used to be, well, they still do. They have the podium. They have a podium set up. We're going to announce trades. We're going to announce signings. I specifically remember when you were with the Braves, the Andy Marte for Edgar Renteria deal. Like that was yeah. announced. You know, like that same. I think winter meetings with AJ Burnett and BJ Ryan. It's almost never happening now because deals aren't done. So my question is, when did it turn from? We got pretty much every done before Christmas, everything done before Christmas to we're going to go all the way up to February. Is there a reason for this? Well, I think I think, yeah, I think the money involved now and, um, um, you know, there's a lot of information which can sometimes paralyze us to make a decision. Um, the it seems like the uh, the high profile free agents are signing later. That holds up the process. I think organizations are less willing to trade prospects than they used to because, you know, prospects are, I mean, certainly, you know, young players are, you know, so valuable in today's game, especially the economics of it. And, um, and so I just think we're a little more, um, 
uh, I wouldn't say fearful of making decisions, but just think we're, we're a little more methodical about things, uh, which I'm not saying is bad. And we're a little more thoughtful about things, which again, I'm not saying is, is a negative, but I just think we, we take a little longer to process information. There's more people involved. I remember the first minute winter meetings I went to, it was, uh, it was Paul Snyder, Derek Ladnier, myself, John Scherholtz and Dean Taylor and, you know, our scouts, that was it. You know, our, our, our guys that did major league work, you know, Bill LaJoy, Donnie Williams, um, you know, guys like that, that were, that were there. And uh, now, you know, I look at the list of the number, you know, to get the number of people the Rangers are bringing and the number of people we brought with the Royals. I mean, it's 30, 35 people that are coming to the winter meetings and that's how things have changed. And so when you have more people involved, it's, you know, it's, it's more information to, to sift through. And, um, you know, sometimes look, blind spots can be good and blind spots can be bad. And sometimes, you know, we, we try to uncover every blind spot before we make a decision. And so sometimes when you, when you don't know what you don't know, you're freed up to do things. Right. And you, you, you're not, you know, I can tell you right now, if I knew, and this is kind of a, you know, who knows? I mean, but I look back, if I knew how hard it was going to be when we came to Kansas City and rebuilding the farm system and being in a small market and and all the, the criticism that you take along the way, if I could have felt all that and experienced all that before, I would have I would have said, no, I, I'm not taking this job. I'm going to stay right here in Atlanta and, you know, continue to oversee scout and player development and work with the Hall of Fame general manager. But I had blind spots. I didn't know how tough it was going to be. And so I did it. And so I'm thankful that we did. And so I think, think that that probably plays into it a little bit. And we want to uncover every blind spot before we make a decision. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I just think that we, you know, sometimes, and when you look at some of the young GMs in the past, I mean, they tend to be a little more aggressive and a lot of times it worked out for them. And sometimes it didn't, but, you know, I remember John Daniels getting criticized for signing, you know, uh, Adrian Beltre and it worked out pretty good. And I remember Rizzo getting, you know, when he was a young GM and it worked out really good. And he's, you know, and I think the hall of famer, and, you know, I remember when Mike Rizzo took over in, in, in Washington, I think, uh, I forget who he signed right out of the gate that spring, drawing a blank. Um, anyway, he made a big splash and it ticked everybody off. And I forget who he signed, doggone it. Um, I'll look it up. But, so- but, but you get the point. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and so when you're young and, you know, you feel, you know, we signed Gil Mesh right out of the game. I remember that. You know, and, and we traded for Joaquin Soria. And he was in, he was in Loa. He pitched 11 innings in in low a and we took him in the rule five draft and i remember thinking our guys were saying yeah i think he can pitch for us in the major leagues this year and i'm going okay i didn't even question it our scouts said louis medina said he can pitch in the major leagues for us today we would have freaking said well we don't have enough information you know what's the data say and what have you i mean but louis was down there in mexico and saw him pitch in right place right time working as a scout and said take him and so we took him and you know, we end up and we traded for Brian Bannister that year, too. And um, um, in that first winter meetings. But, you know, as a young person, you just you got a little more blind spots. And so you think you're invincible a little bit and you hadn't made enough mistakes yet. But I remember something Pat Gillick told me one time. And Mike Arbuck will confirm this because he used to say it all the time as well. But Mike Arbuck, or Pat Gillick used to say, if you're not making mistakes, 
you're probably not aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. And I've never, ever, never, ever forgot that. That's pretty good. And and we had a JP, JP Richard, he was talking about the thing that you, when you talk to Billy Bean, he, he would say, focus on who you're getting more than that's right. on who you're giving up. Right. I agree with that. I, I agree think, with that I think that's lost. I mean, from, from my perspective, I think sometimes that's lost. That's so. right. I think, I think that's, I think that is so, so wise and, um, you know, so important focus on, what this particular player or players mean and what they do to blend in with your current roster to help your team win. And, and like I said, you, you, you know, baseball's too unpredictable and, um, you know, focus on what you're getting, not what you're giving up. Well, I have to ask any, any, you have a lot of winter meetings memories, but there's always good stories. <laughs> I mean, it's always, it usually involves the agents like, coming in throwing stuff around a room or I don't know. I mean, or was any good, any good, maybe just one, any good winter meeting stories? Well, you know, I don't know. There's so many of them, truthfully. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know if you know Mike Toomey at all, but mm-hmm. you know, Mike Toomey's a, he's a hall of fame scout and, and um, he's done so much to help people in the game. And, you know, he's, he's actually, you know, running a, a foundation right now where he does clinics and helps kids in Colombia, the country of Colombia, South America, to, um, you know, with, with, with baseball and so forth. But, you know, he would always come in and entertain and, and uh, he's a great storyteller and, and uh, you know, just listening to him talk about, you know, guys like, you know, Joe Consoli that he grew up with and Joe Branzell and scouts and being in the backwoods of, you know, all these different areas back when area scouts, you know, you know, there was unlimited rounds and, um, you know, guys didn't really travel in packs and there wasn't, you know, showcases and tournaments and travel ball. And you really had to, to find guys. And, you know, Mike would always have a story or two about an experience he had in, you know, in the backwoods of West Virginia or Pennsylvania or, or you know, Virginia or, or the Carolinas. And, and so there's, you know, so many, so many of them. Of course, we were probably a little more less concerned about health back then and and what we ate and what we drank and you know there was always you know guys that would you know kind of lived a little harder than i think some guys <laughs> do today so the, the the tales of the sweet i like i like yeah. it so yeah well listen again you got me fired up for baseball and which you always do i appreciate that every single time dayton In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.